With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details. What's going on, folks? Thanks for taking the time to hit that download button and check out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. If this is your first time checking out this podcast, a bit of background first before we jump into this week's guest. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with entrepreneurs and content creators and showcase the gadgets and gear that they use to run their business and create their content. When it comes to toys, though, we're a little bit more broad discussing the toys that they currently collect, as well as some of the stuff that they enjoyed collecting as kids. A little bit of humor and a little bit of fun alongside business. This week's guest is a great mixture of both of those things, and he is Matt Cipolletti. He is one half of Big Kev's Geek Stuff and is one of the few podcasters who, alongside Big Kev, has taken their show from podcasting mediums two mainstream platforms, in this case, Sirius XM Satellite Radio. We talk about that journey as well as Matt's experience both as a podcaster and working for Sirius XM. We also discuss his latest venture, which is Twitch, where he has launched his Twitch channel and it's growing at a rapid rate. Not only is he playing games, but he's talking comic books and having great engagement and conversations with his audience. We dissect all of that and much more. So without any further ado, let's turn it over to Matt and learn more about the toys and tech of his trade. All right. My guest for this week's episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade is Matt Cipolletti. Uh, Matt is uh, just one of those guys who's a veteran in the game, much like myself, between podcasting, satellite radio, and now his latest endeavor, uh, streaming via Twitch. Uh, the guy's got it covered on all bases, and I'm really glad that he took time out of his schedule to sit down and chop it up with us. What's going on, Matt? How are you? I'm I'm doing good, sir. This is a this is a a long time coming. This 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 chat. I mean, <laughs> we've known each other for for how many years now? At this point, I don't even know if I could count them. But almost ten. Almost ten, man. Going back to uh, you guys having booth, uh, you and Big Kev having booths at a uh, New York Comic Con for Big Kev's uh, geek stuff. Yep. But um. You know, it's crazy because you've been doing this for a long time, just like I have. And, you know, I want to kind of start there with your work with Big Kev's Geek Stuff. And, you know, what what got you into podcasting? Where, you know, how did you and Big Kev meet and jump into doing a show together? So um, the, the the story behind Big Kev and I is we we had just been friends for years, um, long before um, Geek Stuff, you know, um just just through our local community um i went to college up here kev happened to be uh working at the college that i was at at the time and uh we just became friends we had a couple of mutual friends right off the bat 
and the two of us just had an interest in pursuing something other than just, you know, having a conversation Saturday mornings in the comic shop. And um, before Geek Stuff, we both had websites um, where we did, you know, toy reviews and um, movie reviews and all, all the same kind of stuff we're doing now. Yep. Or, we, you know, on the, on the podcast. Um, he had his own site. I had my own site. And we were at Toy Fair together one year covering it for two different outlets, but we were hanging out. And, uh, you know, we stumbled upon this booth selling, you know, like mini mic kits for in-home broadcasting and they gave us one <laughs> like as a promo that we stopped by and we were talking to this guy and he's like he's like yeah this mic you could just plug it right into your computer blah, blah. you know the whole spiel you know how toy fair goes yep and the two of us took it home we were like why don't we just sit down and try to record something and that was almost 14 years ago <laughs> wow and and you were evolved from there and you were being at that time when you started how were you distributing the content back then because i remember when I started, it was right around the time when Apple first announced podcasts on iTunes. I mean, that's what it was. We we submitted our RSS feed to iTunes right away before Apple had a podcast category. Wow. Um, they had just started accepting, like, talk format, user-submitted RSS feed. And, um, you know, I think they had maybe doing it for, like, a year at that point. And... Uh, we had just built the RSS feed ourselves. You know, we didn't use any sort of service to do it. I mean, it's all in a text file, <laughs> and we just submitted it and started pushing it there right away. That's 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 tremendous, especially because you were doing it before services jumped in and and planted their flag. Yeah, there was no Libsyn or uh, you know, I think nothing on a pod feed. None of those things existed. As a matter of fact, I remember there was a handful of podcast directories right around the time that we started it was like i don't know it was like just podcast.net or pod something.net and there was some pickle one too pod yeah podcast pickle, pickle that's podcast right podcast pickle right and, but podcast <laughs> pickle was a lot of music stuff at the time too it wasn't a lot of talk based stuff that's right um but you know we just once we got it into once we got it into iTunes we just you know i just sat at home and, and i submitted it any place that would accept an rss feed is pretty much what it came down to. And back then, you guys were just doing it for fun. There wasn't even a thing where you were looking to turn this into any sort of a franchise or a branding, right? It was just two guys turning on the microphone and sharing, sharing, you know, waxing poetic about the stuff they love. That's exactly right. It was, it was nothing more than, you know, let's just, let's just do it. You know, we have these conversations anyway. Yep. And, you, you know, like, I don't I don't know how I don't know how it was. I don't know if you have a local comic shop that you used to frequent or frequented but <laughs> many. <laughs> our, yeah. So our local shop here. Right. Everybody would go early on a Saturday morning. You'd get there right when they'd open and everybody would kind of bring breakfast and congregate. You talk about whatever books, games, whatever. And it's you know, you go in there and you start talking and it's almost like you're holding court. hundred percent. Right? You know, and. We just we just took that conversation and put a mic in front of ourselves. I mean, and and to be honest with you, that format has never really changed for us. No, it definitely hasn't. I mean, you guys, the dynamic and and just the the genuine friendship that you guys have just carries over so well. And on top of that, there's no there's no you know uh, fanboy dynamic. It's just I like what I like, I dislike what I dislike. And you guys always meet in the middle to give people just a really 
great amount of balanced content. Yeah, well, you know, Kevin and I, uh, as good of friends as we are, we, we often disagree on a lot of things. Of but, course. But just like any any other relationship, in any work, in any facet, right, in any genre, political, geek, pop culture, news, whatever it is, you know, if you can have an honest conversation and at the end of the conversation, as cliche as it sounds, maybe the end result is agree to disagree. But if you at the end you had a good discourse, that's what counts, right? Hundred percent. Having that back and forth, having that 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 toss around, and so. um We've just never strayed from that, and it's never been about anything other than the conversation. You know, we're, we're not we we've never tried to we're not trying to sell a we're not trying to sell anything necessarily. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's our it's our it's our natural conversation. It's just what we would talk about if the mics weren't there. Now, in terms of gear, you started like you you were saying with the old mic kits. What what gear are you guys using to do your shows now? Um, so not only do we have an old mic kit, but I remember there are photos floating around, not to, not to throw you off a little bit. Nope. There are photos floating around where I have microphones that I drilled bases into pieces of plywood oh, and man. then C clamped them to snack trays. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that was our original setup for like the first year, year and a half. That That's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, but we just wanted to do it now. Now everything is done. Um, we do everything through GarageBand because it's still probably one of the best, easiest um, bits of software to use, especially if you have a Mac. Yep. Um, you know, I use my old ass Alesis Multimix 8. Mixer. Man, one of my first mixers, man. And, and I'll tell you why through the years I've wanted to upgrade that mixer, right? The problem is that that mixer is one of the last ones that you can find that feeds into most of the audio software that I've worked with, GarageBand, Audacity, and a couple other ones, um, that gives you true individual channels when it feeds into GarageBand. Nice. True multi-track. It's, that's, that's a lost thing. That's a lost thing. So I can control everything on the mixing board as we're recording, and then I can go back in GarageBand and poke at individual tracks if I have to. Nice. And and you're you're handling all the editing then in GarageBand? Yeah, I mean, as little editing as we do now. You know, <laughs> when, we, when we first started off, there was a lot of editing. I think it was us trying to be radio or trying to present like that perfectionist sort of yep. thing. But at this point, Rich, I got to tell you, man, like we we record our shows now Tuesday nights um, by like 7.15, 7.30, we're done. By eight o'clock, it's up online for patrons. That's that's tremendous. Well, that was the next thing I was going to ask. You know, the the distribution model has evolved so much now, and you know, you mentioned patrons, which takes me into into that into that aspect. You know, a lot of people went into this, and and as I go into different podcast groups and different places, it's always, man, how do you make money off of this? How do you make money off of this? And I tell people when they when they go, oh, we're going to start. I'm like, listen, you're not going to make a dime, not initially. Because if you're going in there with that mindset, you're 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 destined to fail. The, the number one joke we have when anybody asks us about how to start a podcast, the, the number one thing I tell people to this day is don't. Wow, really? And, and then and then I, and, and I tell them that, and I tell them that, and I say, look, I'm not trying to tell you not to pursue it if you want to, but I'm telling you don't pursue it if you don't have a real sense of what it is. 
and what you're going to get out of it. Because just like you said, if, if you're doing it because you think you're going to be raking in the money, just don't. <laughs> Find something else. And you know what the thing is? There's there's instances, you know, lightning in a bottle. And, and I tell people this all the time. Like like a, a lot of people want to talk about like Tim Ferriss. And it's like Tim Ferriss started a podcast, shot up to top 100 of iTunes, top 50, top 25, top 10. And I tell people, I'm like, listen, that guy launched a podcast after doing two books. You know, I think it was he had done four hour work week and four hour chef. He had an audience and it was totally on a whim. It wasn't like he woke up one day and said, hey, I'm going to do a podcast about, you know, entrepreneurship and it's going to take off. You know, the guy had an audience. Same thing with Rogan. It's like Rogan took his stand up career, his UFC fame, his fear factor fame. And then, boom, he just blew up with the podcast. Same thing with Mark Marin, But. Kevin, these, is that the same thing? Yep. Like these guys, they all have, you know, I always tell people there's an asterisk next to that fame because they came in preloaded with other stuff. It's right. no, it's no different than, you know, Barack Obama waking up and saying, I'm going to launch a podcast and it being number one on iTunes within the first week. Obviously, you know, it's right. like, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's, and, and, it, you know, you never want to tell someone not to pursue something that they're really passionate about, but what you do want to do is set their expectations to a reasonable level. Absolutely. You know, um, again, we've been doing, we've been doing geek stuff for, I guess, almost 14 years at that point. And, um, it's not our career. (laughs) Hell no. We, we punch the clock like everybody else. You know, I mean, it's, it's self-sufficient, right? Like it doesn't cost any money out of pocket at this point, which is great. Um, um, you know, it covers all of our expenses to run the show. It covers the cost of our booth at the end of the year at New York Comic Con, which is our biggest event of the year for like promotion and meetups and stuff like that. You know, it, and, and it, and it leaves a little bit of money in the coffers, uh, for when a mic goes down and when you have a mixer problem or, or whatever it might be, you want to upgrade some gear, but we're not making, you know, we're not, uh, it's it's not a career. It, we we do it because we like doing it. We do it because it's fun to do. Um, and uh, you know, I tell people that if I was doing this to make money, I would have stopped years ago. Did you have any sort of uh, formal training or schooling or any radio background when you guys originally started this? Absolutely none. Wow. It was it was uh it, it was it was like I said it was a lark. It was, you know, I had, um, you know, I knew how to write, um, I knew how to write, I knew how to handle reviews and stuff like that because I had done, I had done book reviews for a magazine really years ago. Um, and I, I, I did it, I did that gig just to get free books. That's awesome, man. Um, learn so, something new. Yeah. So I, I, so there, there's a magazine that's, I think it's still coming out, but it's called Renaissance Magazine. And it covers like all sorts of like medieval literature and like, like fantasy literature. And it covers like, like the Renaissance fairs and like the SCA and stuff like that. And, uh, I pitched them as like a freelance writer just to get some free books. And they just started giving me assignments and I would get like, I don't know, 15 books a year or so to review. Um, I'd get a little bit of coin for it. Nothing, you know, enough to buy. You know, enough, enough to buy a couple of beers, but, but so I just, I had just taken, I had just taken the writing from that and parlayed it into writing about toys and movies. Um, but no, I had never, I never had, I wasn't an actor. I was never a radio guy or a broadcasting guy. I didn't go to broadcasting school. I was a regular business major. Wow. That's, you know, hearing, hearing that is phenomenal only because, you know, 
you guys have such longevity and it's been a trial by fire. You know, you guys have been learning along the way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, and, and there's stuff that we're still learning, you know, because, because like you said, it's, it, it's an ever evolving, uh, online media is an ever evolving medium. Um, it's, it's, it's changing all the time. And so it's, it's always try by fire. It's always, can I use this new platform? Can I try this new software? Um, so it's, uh, but you know, you just, you just learn as you go. That's part of the fun. I think learning is part of the fun. How were you, how are you tracking your listenership back then? If at all, how did you know that you were gaining steam or traction or anything? Uh, so we were using, uh, we, we were tracking individual downloads on the back end of our website, right? Because we could see how many times the file was actually downloaded. So you could, you could see that number. That number was pretty easy to see. And then the RSS feed, that was always a, that was always a, a bit of a science because all you could see is how many times the RSS feed refreshed. So we would kind of look at the refresh rate on the day the new episodes came out. And you could never get a true sense of how many listeners you had, but you could get a feel for the fact that you at least had an audience. You know, when, when you put out your first episode and you see it's got, you know, 10 direct downloads and your RSS feed hits, you know, 300 refreshes. And then by the time you're on your 300th episode, you've got 400 or so direct downloads and, you know, 10,000 refreshes. You don't know the true number, but at least, you know, there was growth. Right. Okay. Now the, the thing that gets me is, you know, you started doing direct outreach in in other words you know doing the booth at at new york comic-con what made what made you guys want to do that uh so we um so you're you're from this area right you're from new york new jersey yep your whole life okay so you know back in the day the old new york comic-con before it was owned by reed yep right like the the one that got shut down that one year because it (laughs) because it exceeded the fire marshal code Uh uh-huh yeah i was online that day standing outside waiting to get in when they shut me out (laughs) wow but um but so we um we had just become we had become real friendly with a couple of guys that had run uh that were running new york comic-con um through other small events that were taking place in new jersey reed wasn't huge yet and big kev was doing work with uh the opie and anthony show that was right when that had started wow and we kind of just parlayed our way into a booth that that first year of the Reed New York Comic Con, um, they had what they called the podcast area. And I want to say there was three podcasts. It was us. It was Comic Geek Speak. And it was the Secret Identity Podcast. Or I can't even remember the name of the third one. But it was three of us. And um, they gave us those tables for free that year. Wow, that's insane. Because um, they were looking to promote the show locally on that level on the podcast level because someone there at least had an idea that the podcast level was a real fandom and and while you know fox news and entertainment weekly and all those things are great um you know how many people they're reaching versus how many people they're actually bringing in isn't always a true number but at least they knew from podcasters that they were hitting people that wanted to be there so they had they had they had a couple of these booths. It was up on the second or third floor where the press area is now. Right. 
and um, they had this this one little corner where I guess they couldn't sell any booze, and they just gave us a spot. And uh, year after year, we just stayed with them. I want to say for the first three or four years that we were there, the booth was free. Uh, and it wasn't just for us. It was for a handful of us that had been doing it. The booth was free. It was just part of there. They had this podcast thing. Um, and then what happens, and, and you know this because you've been part of this world as, you know, almost as long as I have. Yep. You know, everybody caught on that all you needed to do was have a podcast to mm-hmm. be somebody. And so, oh, yeah. You know, some guy would start his podcast two weeks before New York Comic Con, apply for a press pass, apply for a free booth. Someone at New York Comic Con didn't know what they were doing and would rubber stamp it. And then eventually they caught wind and it ruined it for everybody. <laughs> that's that's pretty much the downfall of a lot of press coverage. Um, you know, I think I covered New York Comic Con 12, 13 and 14. And then yeah. they changed the media requirements from 14 on and I haven't covered it since. And people are like, oh, you know, just buy the ticket and go. I'm like, nope, because I'm going to be inclined to work. And if you're good at something, don't do it for free. You know, at least if I'm going to do it and I do it for content for my site, it's great. But I'm not, I'm not going to get shoved around and be a human sardine can for three days just for myself and not and not even buy anything. Because sometimes it's that, too. You know, walking that show floor, it's exhausting. And But when you're done, you don't even want to carry anything out. Oh, believe me, one of the one of the best parts, one of the best parts of us still doing New York Comic Con is that we have a booth. Yep. Because we have a place to stash our stuff. And our, our booth has ultimately become, especially in the last like four or five years, our booth is just like it's it's the Geek Stuff fan club. We invite all of our fans to come and hang out at the booth. You need a seat, come and hang out at the booth. We got power in the booth. You want to charge your phone for a half an hour, come hang out at the booth. You know, I mean, I've I've put fans to work for a half an hour in the booth. Hey, I got to run to the bathroom real quick. Just, you know, keep an eye. That's it. But, keep an eye. Hand out some stickers, you know, answer it. a but question. You know what? We've, we've built a great community in that regard. And, um, you know, it's I, I, I you know, I don't want to see that part of it ever go away. It's expensive now because we pay for the booth every year. Um, but like I said, we've we've managed to through things like Patreon cover at least those costs so at least it's not out of pocket for a while that was out of pocket for us when they started charging and it was a matter of could we recover that during the course of the con um you know selling raffle tickets working with artists having exclusives things like that well how, that that's my ne- that was my next question how when when you started formulating a strategy for having a booth at the con was it something where you said all right we're going to do a live podcast or we're going to interview creators or we're going to have x at the booth like how did you approach you know, running, running a brand, uh, at the time when podcasting and, you know, being main mainstream was in its infancy. How did you approach that? Uh, so we had, uh, you know, it, it, there was no, there was no formula to it. You know, just like we've been talking, it was a lot of flying by the seat of our pants. I remember the very <laughs> first time, um, one of the first times we had to pay for our booth, they stuck us down in artist alley. Um, I remember the that weirdest place for us to be. Um, but at the same time, it was an absolute godsend because we I, we rolled up with the computer, a couple of microphones, and I we would walk Artist Alley in the morning before the floor opened up, and we would just stop by artists, ones we knew, ones we didn't know, hand them a postcard, and say, look, if you get a free minute, five minutes of your time, we're two rows over, just come by. Sit down. You can plug whatever you want to plug. Just join us for a couple of minutes. And we had so many guys and 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 women come by just to spend a couple of minutes with us. Um, and I think they saw it as they saw it as there was no pressure. Yep. There was no PR people. Um, and it was it was free promotion. 
And they didn't have to do it in their booth, so it wasn't awkward for them to step away from customers. They kind of got to do it on their own time, and uh, it it worked for us really well, and we've stuck with that sort of approach ever since. Um, We still invite people back to the booth. Uh, Artists will come by. Um, We've invited, in recent years, we've invited artists to, like, set up in the booth for an hour. Nice. Come, Come set up in the booth do some sketches bring some prints whatever you whatever you want to do the booth is yours for an hour um and you know sometimes we we ask for you know you know a couple bucks here and there just to help help offset costs but i'll be honest with you there have been some times where it's been like look i really i'm a fan of your work if you hook us up with like two prints you can have like 45 minutes that's tremendous but and again the biggest part about that right the most important part about that is that We've never come across as trying to fleece anybody. Nope. You know, it's it's all just very honest. It's all just very down to earth. And it, even even as long as we've been doing it, it's still grassroots. Because I think that works for podcasting. I think grassroots, especially for smaller shows, not the big shows, but the smaller shows, because we're still a small show in the in the grand scheme of things, even as long as we've been doing it. But that grassroots approach, that real honest approach, that resonates with me. 100%. I think that... When, when you guys started doing that, it's, it's not only great content. And this is what I always tell people. Not only is it you're bringing value to those artists because you're giving them another platform to promote their work. But on top of that, you're also providing value to your listeners because now you're getting all these different artists there and you're allowing them to interact with an audience that maybe didn't know who they were. Absolutely. And that was always the goal. It was always, it was always a, it was always a way to try to just bring everything in. I mean, you know, we, we got real big with the indie toy scene for a while too. And we still are, we're still friends with a lot of those people, but we had, we were talking to all these great toy sculptors and all these guys pouring resin and making toys in their basement and selling them, you know, guys like the suck Lord. I don't, I don't know if you know who he is, but guys like the suck Lord, that, that guy was making toys in his basement. And then he, you know, it was a couple years later, he was on bravo and his toys are selling for like a grand a piece oh geez but that's a guy who that's a guy who just came and hung out with us that's <laughs> come by the booth the Bring thing shit if you could sell it that's cool <laughs> i mean that's and that's what it was and you know it's it's and we turned on a whole bunch of people to that world that weren't familiar with that world and we took a bunch of people from that world and brought them into um you know some comic books and some art that they had never been uh familiar with and we just tried to create this melting pot and the melting pot was really just representative of our personal likes our personal interests where do they put you guys now uh well well now because we pay we have a little bit of we have a little bit of say you got the dollar the dollar clout like i like to say once the dollars are are, are a factor you get to have them you make the rules a little bit so we're the last few years we've been in the small press area um which I re- I like that area because it's it's not Artist Alley. Not that I have anything against Artist Alley. Artist Alley is still my favorite area to be in. But Artist Alley, the acoustics in Artist Alley are terrible. Oh yeah, because they put them in that hangar. <laughs> so uh, at least in small press, we can still like do interviews and stuff up there. It's pretty easy for people to find us. We're still surrounded by smaller independent creators. Um, but we're close enough to like Marvel and DC where if we have friends that are over there, they can come to us if we want to. But so, yeah, I mean, we're paying now. So it's, it's, it's less of where are you going to put us? It's, well, this is how much we're paying. So what's available in this price range? What's the, what's the biggest challenge for you doing, you know, podcast work now 
on location for something like that. Um, yeah, uh, I don't, get, honestly, just, it's traveling with the gear is the biggest challenge. Everything else is easy. <laughs> nice. I mean, you know, we can't stream. You can't stream in the Javits Center unless nope. you're willing to pay like 500 bucks, I think it is, for like the dedicated uh, internet service. 500 bucks on top of the, you know, Ooh. 1500 you're paying for the booth and the 200 you're paying for electricity. Um, um, but it's honestly, it's just traveling with gear because I, I bring in a full mixer. I bring in a full computer, all the mics, all the stands, because believe it or not, we've gone entire days just because we're busy where we don't record anything, right? Wow. We just don't get to it. However, I can't tell you how many people stop by the booth because they see the mic stands and then we can set them up for like the next day or maybe later in the day or the next morning before the show floor opens walking around and you see just, you see prints and art and toys and bric-a-brac. And then you just see like four mic stands sitting on a table it just stands out and it catches people's attention. Um, so, you know, it's a pain in the ass to lug all that shit in, but it's, it's, but it's great and it's worth it. And now, you know, I want to, I want to get into your, you know, your work with, with Big Kev's geek stuff. You ended up working a little bit with, uh, Eric Nagel, E-Rock from, yep. uh, O&A. How, how, how'd one lead into the other? <laughs> Cause that was pretty crazy when I saw that. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, I know him. So, um, so Kev was doing stuff for ONA back in the day and they were looking to branch out the ONA channel when they were on XM, they were looking to branch out, uh, and bring in some independent shows. So they brought over geek stuff and it was me and big Kev working with them for, I don't know, maybe a year or two, um, before they, they pulled the plug on most of those shows. I think Weird Medicine was the only one that sort of survived that first purge. Oh, yeah, with Dr. Steve. With Dr. Steve. And so we went away for a little bit. But through all of that, I had just become really good friends with Eric. And when Eric was looking to launch a show, his own show, um, he was looking for co-hosts. He was looking for someone to, to sit in there and um, bounce off of him. And he needed someone who was more in tune with pop culture than he was. He's in tune with pop culture, but not as deep as I am. Right. <laughs> My geek runs deep. Um, <laughs> and um, he he asked me, I you know, it's he, he just he called me up one day and said, hey, I'm launching a show. Um, we're not going to be live at first. It's going to be pre-recorded. Uh, it's going to be an hour, maybe two. Are you interested in doing it? And uh, how do you say no to that? <laughs> Seriously, that the how do you say no. I mean, I got to go to the SiriusXM studios, you know, once or twice a week. Um, we we would get guests live on the phone. We would get guests live in studio, uh, and and like you know, big names. Like you know, we were talking to we were talking to to a lot of media people and a lot of Hollywood people. Um, and I brought a lot of people over too. I brought I brought a lot of comic book people over, and, and you know people from my realm. And honestly, we would still be doing that show on that platform. Um, I think if Opie hadn't gotten sacked. Yeah, I mean that that when when you guys were doing that, I said, "Wow, that's that's crazy." And and one of the reasons why I wanted to touch on that story is because again, you came into this no radio background and you guys went from doing that to having a show on satellite reaching millions of people you parlayed that into a secondary gig again on on a mainstream platform while still doing the podcast it's 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 an amazing amazing accomplishment you 
definitely if if if, if you don't pat yourself on the back, you damn well should. <laughs> I, I had to get an really. I had to get an agent because they had to present me. Sirius had to give me a contract because I was technically a freelance employee. Wow. And because I was talent, I wasn't hired as like an intern or I wasn't hired as a board app. I was hired as talent. I had to have someone to look over the contract. That's um, wild. And that was a surreal experience because that was something I never thought I would need. And, um, but it, but that was the conversation I had with that, with the guy, with the guy that I ended up with, um, who was a friend of a friend. So he didn't fleece me or anything. Thank God. But, uh, you know, he asked me, he's like, well, what's your background? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I'm a podcaster. He goes, no, like, like what's your radio background? And I'm like, I have no radio background. I'm a podcast. He goes, how the fuck did you end up here? And I said, that's I, tremendous. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. They luck. I was in the right place at the right time, and I guess I, I know how to I know how to carry a conversation, and that's about it. That's it, it's so crazy, like like that. And then you know, being there during that time, especially during that transition, how did it how did it feel like walking into SiriusXM and just just saying, hey, you know, we're 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 doing mainstream geek conversations on satellite radio? Like how did how did that how did that sink in for you? It, it was an absolute dream come true. It, I, there, I, I, there's no way that I can describe that experience. Like I, I just, I can't, I can't put it into words how intense and surreal that was to walk into a professional radio station, sit behind professional microphones, you know, a, a, speaking to Hollywood stars on the phone or in studio with us and, and thinking to myself that tomorrow morning I've got to get up and put on a safety vest and a hard hat <laughs> and drive around in a pickup truck. And then, and, and a week from now I'm going to be back in here. Yeah. It's, it was, it, it was amazing. And, and to think that I got to do it even for the, the short time that I got to do it uh, was, was an absolute gift. And to, to talk about, to talk about stuff that I genuinely love and have interest in, in that forum um, it's, yeah, it's, it was, it was an absolute gift. I, I, I will never, ever look that, uh, I, I will never, ever, you know, that, that's, you can't turn that down and you, you can't not be proud or excited to have had that experience. Now, during the time that you were there, did you absorb any radio technique or anything to carry over into doing the, your, your show with Big Kev? Like, were there certain things that were different? Like you walked in and you're like, oh, you can't bring that podcaster shit in here. You know what I mean? Like, like where, where were there any transitional issues for you? You know what? Honestly, not not really. No, wow. And, and only because I'll tell you why. Only because by the time that I had, by the time I had walked in there, the first time I did it, the first thing when it was geek stuff, there was a lot to learn because timing was very different. We had to take breaks. That was stuff that I was not used to. But by the time I got to go back with Eric, I had, we had been doing geek stuff for so long, um, and I was. I was just used to that. I was used to just talking at that point. And that's all Eric asked me to do. Wow. You know, I like I had to learn a couple of things. I had to learn the board a little bit over there and working on that board versus my eight channel mixer <laughs> over here is, you know, th that was a learning curve. But even still, you know, you have to learn a couple of slides and a couple of buttons and it's not too terrible. But otherwise, Eric was like, you need to show up. You need to do some prep leading into the show. And you just need to carry a conversation. If you can do that, you're golden. And I was like, well, I'm doing prep anyway. Yep. Um, and I'm, I'm essentially prepping 
the same thing. Now, I prepped it differently for Eric's show than I did for Geek Stuff. When I prepped it for Eric's show, um, I would take a full article and I would boil it down to four or five sentences that I thought would be good talking points for an audience that wasn't as uh, deeply entrenched in our topics, as opposed to Geek Stuff, where I could go into the nitty gritty of something, you know? Um, when we would talk to guys like Randy from NECA, when we had Randy from NECA on Geek Stuff, we would talk about, you know, points of articulation and dry brushing techniques and like shit like that, 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 that translated into the final product. When we talked to Randy on Eric's show, it was about licensing. Wow. How did you, you know, how did you get, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's historically one of the most difficult people to work with for likeness rights. How did you finally get him to give your likeness rights? You know what I mean? Like, so you had to prep on a different level because you're talking to a different audience, but the technical side of it was still just talking into a microphone at the end of the day. What did you use for prep? Just pen and paper and writing in notebook and, and keeping that, or what was your prep system like? Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was, a, it was pen and paper on, on printed out sheets. I would just print out stories and content, highlight it, and then and then write myself handwritten notes and i would walk into i would walk into the studio 10 minutes before eric turned the microphones on and i would hand out copies of my handwritten notes and it was like here you go and eric would do the same thing <laughs> he'd have a couple things prepped and when uh our pal giddles was with us he would have a couple things prepped and and it was just uh it was it again it was still even at that level there was still something very basic to it all that's that's insane and so phenomenal at the same time now I want to I want to touch on you know just referencing ONA and and the transition that those guys did now you know Opie to podcasting Anthony to essentially having his own media empire um how do how do you how do you look at that as a podcaster and to see those guys that were such you know mainstream icons go and jump back into the pool that you know you kind of just sharpened your teeth in how, how how's that feel for you just to see that uh it's it's frustrating really <laughs> uh, it's a little bit frustrating yeah, how so because, you know why because because i was an ona fan when they were on wnew as was i um so long before they were they were the the media empire that they were right so you know yep they were they were just a couple of guys when i first started listening to ona they were still playing music yep so to see them Go from that, right, to go to the biggest or the second biggest radio personalities in the country, and then to go from there to see one of them doing content out of his basement and the other one doing on-the-fly content in a deli in New Jersey somewhere, uh, it's frustrating to me to have watched those guys have everything and then throw it away. Well, the thing about it is, and, and, and I, when, when they both started going their route, the route, the route that they went with their, with their content, you know, Anthony, I remember when I saw his studio and stuff and I was like, wow, this guy, this guy could run an entire show from his house without batting an eye. And Uh then to see him just essentially turn on the mics and go, yep, we're going to do this. It's going to be a subscription model. Like it's crazy because it shows that. As a, as a content creator, once you get that 100, 200, 300 ride or die fans, that's all you need. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I give him, I give him much more credit than, than Opie because at least I think Anthony puts a lot of work 
into i mean he, he's a complete lunatic and i'm not going to get into all of that but no, no, no but he puts a lot of at least work into creating the content that he creates yep and so i give him credit when it comes to work ethic um i just i just can't wrap my head around how they you know imploded no i ended up where they are that's the part that bothers me to see that they had essentially what i would love to have Mm -hmm. and squander it well Uh, they that 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 is that's a well you know and it's interesting with opie because you know he planted he planted his flag in podcasting you know coming uh, essentially you know not to use the words our turf but essentially that's what he did he's like oh i'm gonna do this and it's gonna be on westwood and we're off to the races and i'm like okay and the content is so different, but I also feel that for a guy like him, which is something I love about podcasting, it was very freeing. Oh, sure. He, he, right. He became his own boss, right. which is one of the things, look, that's one of the best things about podcasting, right? Hell you, yeah. You don't report back to anybody. There's no FCC. There's no, you know, I mean, I guess you, I guess if you say something controversial, you have to answer to, to the social, you know, yep. the social media demigods but but other otherwise it's you know it's you do what you want and and you do it when you want it essentially i mean you, you have to create some sort of schedule and you have fans that rely on content coming out regularly but you do what you want you know it's and you're not answering to advertisers or sponsors which is a bonus and a sadness at the same time mm-hmm. but but it's i don't know it is it's it's a different world and i guess i guess maybe ob can enjoy that now um uh, you know, I just hope I, I just hope that he regains a little bit of uh, of the fire that that, that got the him there. Because because I, I I don't want to knock the guy, but I've listened to some of his stuff and it's it doesn't grab me. It doesn't grab me like it once did. Well, you know why that is, and it's funny because I I was gonna say the same thing. I think it's because he doesn't need to be as intense. You know what I mean? Like a character. It's right. like he's very relaxed. He's very mellow. He's like, oh, I'm gonna turn on the microphones while I'm sitting on the beach fishing. Right, right, right. You know, I think that that's what it was. And I think that for the, those of us that grew up in that era, you know, between, you know, cherry darts and, and the drum <laughs> challenges and, oh, yeah. you know, all the all that insanity and the intensity. I mean, to this day, you know, him him stepping on the homeless guy's cake. <laughs> I was like, man, you need you need to be a certain kind of person to yeah. pull that off and continue to mainstream in that capacity, because think about it as a content creator one misstep sometimes and you can tank everything and Absolutely. and they, and these guys did some stuff and they just kept chugging along it, it was insane <laughs> they were they were unstoppable yep were unstoppable i mean until they were stoppable but they were unstoppable um and like i said i mean at least kudos kudos for figuring out a way to continue i guess but i i just to, to me it's it's astounding and you know and i i also see it as all the people they took down with them yeah, that, that, that's the hardest part for me because I grew up liking so many different people, you know, the, the, the late Steve Carlisi, all, yeah. all these guys. And I'm just like, man, it's just when, when, the, when the, when the, when the bomb went off, it really did level the entire city. It did. I mean, it, 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 it shook it up. Yep. You know, and I know, I know a lot of people who were personally affected by yep. it all. And, and the uh, landscape just changed because, you know, Jim went off and did his thing. Sam at, you know, pretty much the, the rise of Sam out of that, right. you know, to the point where, you know, he's got a WWE gig like it, like, like that was the crazy part, like the fallout and then the rise of all these other individuals. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like after the fallout, right? All, all, who, 
whatever cockroaches survived managed to prosper and grow. I'm not calling anybody a cockroach. No, but I'm using the analogy. Of course, but but you know what I mean. Like those guys all managed to to hide from the debris and stay out of the turmoil, keep their noses clean, um, and and find and find a home for themselves. Well, you know, I want to I want to touch on something you mentioned about, you know, the lack of uh, not having to answer to advertisers or, or and also patrons. And I want to talk about that because, you know, you were talking about you pa- Patreon being a, a driving force for for a lot of your expansion and, and things that you guys are, are doing as creatives. When did you guys decide to do that and how did you approach it? Because it's one of those things that as a creator, it's always tough because it's like we essentially give people free content. And right. it's like anything else. The minute you say to somebody, hey, a couple of bucks, ah, you want money. And it, it's, you know, a friend of mine put up a, a meme on Instagram not too long ago. He's like, you're not paying me for for 30 years of work. You're paying me for 30 years of experience. Right. So um, so so patron was uh, patron was a complete lark. Patreon was a complete lark. Um, I had seen a couple of other content creators do it. Podcasters do it. And, um, I approached Kev about it. Um, and I said, look, I, I want to try this. What do you think? And he said, well, I trust you figure it out. Uh, so the one thing I never wanted to do was I never wanted to take away giving the show for free. Right. Because again, we have created a great community over the years and I would feel dirty to start asking those people to give me even a buck when I've never asked for it before outside of like, you know, you have a drive or, you know, you have like a, a donation drive or something like right. that, but we've never charged them for their weekly episodes. So to me, that was never going to change. So it, it really came down to what can we offer those people that they might be willing to toss in a few bucks. Now our tiers are not backbreaking tiers. I mean, we have a dollar, $3, five and 10. It's nothing. There's no like $60 tier, a hundred dollars, nothing like that. Um, so it was really just about creating bonus content or additional content or an additional, uh, interactive element, right? So we pushed the show up two days from when we recorded it. We used to record it on Thursdays. We pushed it up to Tuesdays and we released it to patrons two days early. Nice. For a couple bucks. Right. And loyal fans were like, you know what? That's kind of cool. I want to, I'll, I'll jump into that for two bucks. Um, so we did that. We opened up a discord um, a discord server that's only for patrons and I, I'm in there all day, every day. That's and pretty so awesome. A bunch of our listeners. And we just, we talk about movies and comics and toys. And, you know, we have, a, you know, you know, how discord servers work. We have it broken down into different rooms and different sections. Yep. You know, we have a room just for Marvel spoilers and a room for, you know, like DC spoilers. And there's a toy room and there's a gaming room and, and, just a bunch of people hang out there all day long. And then, you know, and there's a general chat room. Hey, how's it going? How's your family? What are you guys, Hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? Oh, I tried this new thing. I tried that new thing. And it's just, it, it just further created that community for us. Um, so we offered them that we started, um, we started, you know, recording little bonus segments here and there, five minutes here, 10 minutes there. We would release those on a monthly or, or biweekly basis. Um, we opened up the archives. So all the episodes that were no longer online, I started re-releasing to patrons in chronological order. Wow. Um, so just little things, you know, and then what we did was we essentially created like a, almost like an audio commentary, like a director's commentary for the old episodes. Oh, that's cool. 
So we'd throw the old episodes online. We created a chat room for it in the Discord server. The episode would go online. I'd pop in there, and I'd give my thoughts, having re-listened to it again. And then we'd have this whole conversation for a day or two with all anybody hanging out in there about, you know, what did we predict where we were wrong? You know, what what missteps that that we had made? You know, how do we make a fool of ourselves back then? What did we predict <laughs> that was right? You know, I remember recently we were talking. We found one episode back in probably year two of the show. We were talking about, oh, there's never going to be an Avengers movie. Could you imagine what kind of crazy person <laughs> would create an Avengers movie? I mean, I think that was the words that came out of my mouth. Oh, man. You know, right. And and here we are, you know, 10 years into the Marvel Universe. So, um, but again, I, I think it came down to community. It, it came down to those those kind of diehard, long-term fans. Um just i don't know just just interacting on a different level that that they hadn't done before oh you know what else we did we i released the i released the prep sheet before we record the show that's pretty cool to the listeners and um i i give them a way to make comments on it or add stories to it if they want to um and you know, so they 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 kind of have a, a sense of what we're going to be talking about that week. They can put a little bit of input into it. Um, uh, you know, it, it 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 fuels conversation. So it was it was really about how do I create some unique experiences without charging for the main show? Because I never want to charge for the main show. That doesn't seem right to me. Nope. I think I think that that's the best way to approach it. You're again going back to you're giving people value, but you're also respecting the fact that you know, they're the ones that got you where you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, those, those people are, are, have been listening for years. I mean, we have people that have been listening since, you know, the first 10 episodes that still interact with us on a weekly basis. You know, we're, we're, you know, numbered episodes, we're at 534. Wow. But if you, if you took all the episodes we ever released and bonus content, we're well over 600 episodes Man. Um, of content. So, I mean, and there's been guys with us since the beginning. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I have to respect those guys the same way they've respected me. They've given me their loyalty and I, I've, I'm going to give them back the same thing I've always tried to give them. That's that, that philosophy I think is something that's going to carry you guys for 500 plus more episodes just because of the way that you respect your audience, but you also respect the content. You have to, you, you have again, it, that that's, that's part of being a podcaster. I think is respecting, uh, respecting the content, respecting the audience, um, because at the end of the day, hopefully you're not just recording it to hear yourself speak. You're recording uh. <laughs> it in hopes that somebody else listens to it. Hell yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you're recording it for them in a lot of ways. I remember when I started in 06, I would just talk, talk, talk and put it out and then I got burned out and I stopped. And then in 09, I remember I relaunched and I started using blog talk radio cause they had the switchboard uh-huh. for people to call in. And it just, from there, it just changed the entire dynamic of how we did things. Cause I had one of my guys like screen the calls cause you could screen the calls through there. And then the best part was since I was simulcasting, I wasn't using blog talk radios, poor audio at the time. <laughs> so, you know, it was great. We were getting calls and it was just phenomenal. And, and to think when this all started, nobody would have imagined like, Hey, you can get live listeners and live calls. It's, it's come so far, man. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, I love that. Um, I love the ability to like interact on the spot, on the nose, in the heat of the moment. To me, that's like, that's one of the biggest things I miss about Sirius is that that element is missing. 
Well, I wanted, I, you know, the, speaking of interaction, I did want to talk about your latest venture. Now you're now uh, streaming. I, I am. I, I decided because I, I don't do enough. Uh, I decided <laughs> I was going to. I decided I was going to tackle Twitch. Um, and just a quick uh, a jump back to Patreon, right? I decided. I remember I woke up on a Tuesday morning and I said, I really think I want to launch Patreon this week. And by Thursday it was online. And by Thursday afternoon we had our first ten patrons. Twitch was the same way. I, I woke up like on a Monday morning and I was like, you know, what? I'm going to figure out Twitch this week. And by like Tuesday or Wednesday, I had downloaded all the software. I had toyed around with some of the cameras and some of the setup that I already had. And by like Sunday afternoon, I think I had done my first stream. That's phenomenal. And, and did you have a particular uh, particular direction you wanted to go with streaming? Because everybody has like a theme or an approach. Some people want to do just old school games. Some people want to do just sports games. I had absolutely no idea what i was going to do wow um, all right so I, I i dove in with i dove in with just very generic what do i know about twitch twitch is for gaming right and so i just i dove in with playing um spider-man on the ps4 because i was able to stream directly to twitch from my ps4 without any capture cards or extra equipment stuff that i didn't have i was able to do it real easy right um and i loved it out of the gate you know, I only had a handful of people, three or four people that hung out in that very first Twitch stream that I did. But just being able to engage with them on the spot, I was like, nope, we're going to figure this out even better. <laughs> and so I continued to do games and I was like, all right, well, what else can I do? Because I don't want to I don't want to do just games because I'm never happy just doing one thing, one thing. I'm just I'm just not. And, you know, in the last month now, um, I have branded out my Twitch stream where I have Four unique streams that I do now. Um, Monday nights, I stream a live D&D game, Dungeons & Dragons game that I run. Wow. Um, Thursday nights, I host a fireside chat, which is almost podcast format, except that the conversation is 100% guided by the people in the stream. That's awesome. You know, I'll, pick a, I'll have a couple of topics in mind in case we hit a lull that I know that I can fall back on. But for the most part, it's what do you guys want to talk about? And it could be anything. I mean, when I tell you, we have talked about travel. We have talked about food. We have talked about toys, comics, movies. We have talked about music, art, you name it. It has come up in conversation, and we have talked about it. Yeah, I think I was in the, one of the fireside chat ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. I think you were. Yep. Um, so there's that. And then once a month now, I do um, a comic book book club where it's just like, you know, it's like Oprah's book club. You know, where you pick a book, you have a month to read it, uh, and then we get together and we talk about it. Uh, so the very first one we did was Infinity War, um, because where we are with the cinematic universe, I thought it would be really interesting to go back and explore the comics root of all that and how much it was different. Um, and so we did that. Uh, the second one was Green Arrows, The Longbow Hunters. Nice. And next month is Craven's Last Hunt. And it's, it's you know, you have you have a month to pick up the trade or read it digitally. And we're just going to talk about it. We're just, you know, we'll talk about the author. We'll talk about the artist. We'll talk about um, what influences they had on the book. What, what major turning points it had for the characters, what, what effect, if any, it had on uh, comic books in general, on the companies that they were producing it for. Um, it's, it's like a book club, um, except really it's, dope. it's comic books. Um, and then I still do video game streams too. To, to, to pepper it up and to, to keep things 
moving. And I have found that I have unique audiences for each different show. Uh huh. But I have found the more that I do it, people start bleeding over from one audience into the other. Yep. People that were only in like the fireside chat are kind of popping in on the D and D feed just to see what's going on. Or they're popping into the game feeds, even though they don't play any games themselves. And, you know, even when I run the video game feeds, I mean, we talk about the game, but we talk about whatever, you know, whatever happens to come up while we're doing it. I mean, it could be, again, it could just be anything, but it's, for me, it's just engaging with the audience. Um, I love that. I, I, I just like that interaction. I love that. And I like the fact that you dove in, you know, blind and you've been doing so well. And I want to get into, you know, you said you started just streaming with the PS4. What's your setup like now? Because it's come a long way and you got a nice, a hell of a nice setup. I know you were using uh, OBS. Yep. So I'm still using Streamlabs, uh, Streamlabs OBS, because it's, it's really convenient and it's user friendly. And I've actually gotten quite good at OBS. Yep. Um, so I, that's my main software bundle. I have two webcams, two Logitech webcams that I run, um, the 922 and the 920, because if you have two of the same webcam running into OBS, sometimes they conflict. Right. If you differentiate the model just enough, <laughs> um, I've got some lighting in here now that I have picked up. Uh, my wife is a, is slash was a photographer. So she had all this lighting equipment, soft boxes and ring lights and stuff like that. So I've relit the whole room. Um, I grabbed a capture card so that not only can I stream video games, but I can also, you know, I can also pull in like discord feeds and all sorts of other things. Um, I upgraded to a USB mic because I didn't want to feed off the mixer for that because it was pulling in too much stuff. I've got three monitors. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean, I just, I went out, but again, I, th I felt like if I was going to do it, you got to go all in. I wanted to do it right. Like I didn't want to, Unlike podcast, when I first started, I didn't want to flounder for those first couple of weeks or months because I think the difference between then and now is back then you could flounder for a little bit yep. and do okay. I feel like now you can't flounder at all. Hell no. Because at the first sight of blood, they will hunt you down and maul you. Yep. Right? Like, so you have to, you have to try to come out of the gate as strong as you can. And, um, you know, I just. I, I said, look, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to put effort into doing this, I'm going to try to do it right. You know, I got myself a stream deck, which is great. Um, I love that. I, I actually use mine, for, oddly enough, for my podcast. Oh, I don't doubt it. With all the with all the soundboards built in and all the things you can just you yep. know, pop on and pop off and whatnot, it's great. Are you using an Elgato capture card or are you using – um? No. So um, so the, the one thing that I will tell people about the Elgato capture card is it is a beautiful capture card. Um, if you can afford it and you really want to get it, you can get it. But I've spoken to so many people now who pop into my stream who are like, hey, I'm digging what you're doing. I kind of want to get into this myself, but I can't afford the Elgato capture card. And I say, look, I don't have the Elgato capture card. I have the – it's an Aver Media, the Aver yep. Capture HD. Yep. It's like a hundred bucks cheaper than the Elgato, and it does everything the same that the Elgato does. Yeah, I um, <laughs> it's oh. plug and play. It's it's a good it's good quality feed, and it's a, you know it's just not the brand name. Oh yeah, it's, it's crispy. Your feed. That's one thing I saw immediately. I'm like, wow, this is this is really nice. I remember when I was doing a video version of my podcast, I bought like a like a like a capture card that I could plug in like the HDMI of like my video camera. And it was, I remember I paid like $300 for it. I'm like, all right, this is insane. But yeah. then when I started like kind of doing some streaming stuff, 
I ended up getting an Elgato. I had an external one, the old one, which I, which I still have to play old console games because right. you can actually put in like a little dongle to plug in the, uh, the, the, uh, red, white and yellow or yeah. the other. So, so that works for that. And then I ended up putting an internal Elgato in my tower, which nice. is what I use for, for everything else. And then it's just a matter of having some systems here in, in, in studio. So it, it's true, man. Like it, it becomes expensive if you want to go that route, but your approach is good because you did it piece by piece and it really shows. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's just been it's been fun to tackle it and i i, I gotta tell you I, all these are like a bunch of artists that i've known throughout the years all came out of the woodwork to start creating like logos and branding stuff for me that's great and, and it's it's amazing and it's it's uh it's totally i don't know it's it's like it, it's exciting it's exciting to 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 mess around in a new um in a new sandbox and again it's just uh, you, you get the urge every now and again. You just want to try to tackle something new. Almost, You just want to see if you can do it. Well, you know, I, the one thing I, I wanted to kind of touch on with that now is, you know, you're, you're, you're what I like to call in the same demographic I am, you know, geek parents yeah. now. Um, how do you tackle that now with so many of these interests, and how do you translate either introducing them or explaining them to, to your child? Um, so my, my son is seven. Um, and, um, you know, he is no stranger to pop culture toys. Um, but I, I will say I never, I never forced anything on him. If he's taken an right. interest in it, we've played with it, but, um, I don't know, like he, you know, he comes in my office and hangs out with me. He has some toys in here that he can play with. Um, he really wanted to start streaming also. Really? And I was going to put him on Twitch, except it violates Twitch's terms yep. of service. Mm-hmm. Um, so I launched a YouTube channel with him and, um, you know, we've only recorded a handful of videos and honestly, I don't expect anything out of that other than it is a, it's a fun bonding exercise Nice for us, right? We come in here, maybe he unboxes some stuff. We've played a couple board games on it. Um, That's did, cool. Like, a Lego build on it. Um, but he's, he's taken a genuine interest in the technical side of it. And wow. what I keep saying to myself is, look, if the only thing he gets out of this is that he knows how to do some of the technical stuff, I think that's huge because in 2019, you know, by the time he's in college, you know, if he hasn't a leg up on some of this technology, he grows with it and he continues to look at it. Um, you know, I think that puts him in a good spot if it's something that he ever wants to pursue, even if from a hobby standpoint. But he could walk into, if he was awake right now, he could walk into the office, he could turn on all the lights, he can activate the cameras and turn on the mic. That's crazy. And start recording in Streamlabs. He knows how to do it at seven years old. <laughs> that's a, see, and that, and that's, that's what I always tell people. Like, you know, the days of, hey, the lemonade stand or, yeah. hey, the, selling scholastic books, you know, to raise money or, hey, selling candy <laughs> right. bars. Like, like now kids are, you know, between flipping toys, flipping sneakers, uh, you know, all this stuff, the streaming, it's, it's, it's a completely different ball game. Oh yeah. You know, and it started out because he watches all these Minecraft videos on YouTube. That's how it starts. <laughs> and Yeah. it's how, Right. He watches all these Minecraft videos. And I remember one day me and the wife were looking up one of these channels that he watches and I looked up the net value of this person. And it was like millions and millions of dollars. 
and I was, I, I actually, I felt sick a little bit. Like, what the fuck did I do wrong? Yep. Uh, like, I could have played Minecraft for eight hours a day. What was wrong with me? Yep. Uh, but, but he watched all these Minecraft videos. He's like, Dad, I wanna, I wanna make videos. And I'm like, Well, do you want to play games? He's like, No, I don't think I want to play Minecraft, but I want to make videos. How can I make videos? That's so awesome. Like, let's do it. Come in the office. Let's set it up. And um, yeah. It's and it's just it's fun. It's something we get to do together. Um, you know, we put it out there, and you know, if it gets a little attention, it gets a little attention. But if it doesn't, he's learning a bunch of skills. He's comfortable talking into a microphone. He's comfortable with a little bit of technology. Um, and I think all of those things will probably translate, even if he never pursues anything like I do. Even just the ability to talk comfortably into a microphone yep. and look at a camera. Um, and and all, I think all of that's going to be huge. I think all of that's um, all of that's uh, a, a good thing. And you know, I mean, not to brag about my kid, but I'm a parent, so I'm allowed to a little bit. Hell yeah! But anything he anything he puts his mind to, he tackles. Um, he he he's done modeling work. He does. He's he's excelled at jujitsu. Like he's like five months ahead of where he should be. Like they keep upgrading him as far as like the program that he's in because he, he just keeps outpacing he's a sponge. The class. Yeah. So, you know, and he, he's a, he excels at soccer. Like he's playing with a, a soccer group that's almost two years older than him. Wow. Um, but, but again, he just has a genuine, he's got just a genuine devouring passion for anything that he has an interest in. And I, and, 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 you know, how, how do you not, how do you not foster that? Yep. You you pour you every ounce of energy in there. Take it serious. Let's do it. Hundred percent. Now before before we jump, I, I we do a segment here, which is the hot seat series of rapid fire questions. Um, okay. Before we jump into that, I did want to talk to you about um, your work and your participation in the uh, the rent fair community. Okay. Because that it's very unique, and it was you know I, I wanted to touch on that because I've seen you go and you know you you share that experience with 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 your son. And I, you know, what, where did that interest come from? I, I know that you were saying you wrote for Renaissance magazine, but uh, where did that come from? Because that's a, that's a very niche group to be a, a part of. And it's funny because I see more and more people doing it on a bigger scale. Yes. I mean, I, I think it started with, with anything else. Like when I was a kid, you know, my favorite Legos to play with were the, the medieval castle Legos. Yep. Right. So I just had a general interest in that sort of thing. Um, and uh, I had the opportunity um, to work at a couple of Renaissance fairs as like just a character performer. Really? You know, like I wasn't in any specific shows or anything. I would just walk around, interact with people. Um, and uh, so I did that for a little bit just because it was fun. And honestly, the, the thing I like about the thing I like most about the Renaissance fair and the community, first of all, the community is a pretty open welcoming community um much like a decent portion of you know the geek community yep um you find all walks of life um you know every race creed motto every you know every gender norm you find it all um and i love that i love that it's all encompassing and um it's i i love the escapism of it indeed i i, I love just checking my brain at the door you know, dressing up like a pirate and acting like an idiot for a couple of hours <laughs> and doing it with my son 
uh, is is just fun. But I was doing it long, you know, long yep. before I had him. I was doing it. My wife was doing it. A lot of my friends do it, and it's just an escape, man. Especially around here, I you know, you go up to the New York Renaissance Fair. You're outside all day. You're eating. You're drinking. You know, and it's and it's fun. And after having worked at a few, I worked at uh, the Connecticut Renaissance Fair. I worked at two fairs in upstate New York. I worked at the New Jersey Renaissance Fair for a while. Um, it's just fun. It's just something fun. It's just that uh, that's just a hobby. You know, that's just an escapist hobby. Yeah, I want I wanted to touch on that because I said to myself, you know, I'm seeing more, you know, like a um, a family member of one of my wife's friends, like they do it, and they actually had like a Renaissance Fair themed wedding. And nice. I'm like, and I'm like, wow, you know, like, it's really like, like, it, like anything else. It's in my orbit now. And right. then I was like, oh man, you know, Matt does that. I'm like, oh, I got to ask him about that because it's such a unique thing. You know, it, it's, it's, it's not like, you know, the people that do cosplay where cosplay has now become like a mainstream thing. Right. So, you know, I, I had, I had to ask. And the thing about it is, you know, I, I, growing up, I was a big, uh, I was big into like King Arthur stuff. Sure. So, um, you know, I used to read, read as many of the King Arthur books as possible. So, you know, like seeing that stuff was always, was always really cool to me. I, I, you, this summer, man, you got to get yourself up to the New York fair. Yeah. I'd check that out. That's pretty crazy. You, you, but you don't have to go in costume, right? No, absolutely not. No, okay. no, 90% of people don't go in costume, you know, or, or, you know, what happens is they, they show up in jeans and a t-shirt and by the end of the day, they're wearing <laughs> a puffy shirt and carrying a sword. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty cool. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. If you, if you choose to get dressed up, it's fun. Uh, there are plenty of times where I still go up there and just, you know, shorts and a t-shirt too. Nice. Um, it, it's, it's honestly, it's just, it's just seeing shows, seeing friends. I mean, I go sometimes, I don't see a single show because when you go to a fair, right, there's all sorts of like music shows and, you know, stage shows you see, ja you know, magic shows and acrobats and jugglers. You see like you know, com comedic shows and drama and Shakespeare. And, but I've gone up there and spent, you know, 10 hours at the fair and not seen a single show. Wow. But just spent time with friends or family. Just that's, that's tremendous. Walking around and, you know, you find a shady corner and you sit down and you relax. You know, it's just, it's just a nice, it could just be a nice experience. I, the, the thing about fair is with me and my friends, when they, when other people ask us, why do you go? My response or our response is we go just to be. Yep. Like, that's it. There's no goal. I mean, if you want to see something, we'll go see it with you. I don't care. I've seen everything up there. You want to see, we'll go. but we go just to be, we go just to go, just to, just to just. Plus relax. I like all the old school food when they do a lot of the Renaissance like style food, like pig roasts and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. The giant turkey legs. Yeah, man. Like that stuff. I'm, I'm big into that stuff. I remember when I was younger, I did a medieval times and I'm like, yep, this is fantastic. I could do oh, this. You, you would love the fair. You need to get yourself up there. It's a good time. Hell yeah, man. Also, my, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, include links for that also in the, in the notes for this episode for anyone else that's interested. Yeah. I think the New York fair kicks off in August and runs through the end of September. So it's coming up. Nice. All right. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we, the, the second part of our show is the hot seat, uh, series of rapid fire questions right off the top. Um, I want to start with an easy one. Um, why is Green Arrow one of your favorite superheroes? Uh, Robin Hood. Nice. I mean, that, that's, I think that's what it boils down to. It was, it was an infatuation with Robin Hood growing up, Errol Flynn and Disney. Mm -hmm. um, and so visually I was drawn to him and then I've just, just become an obsessed fan ever since. Yeah. I think, I, I think, you know, with the Errol Flynn's Robin Hood, I remember seeing that as a kid and then 
the Disney Robin Hood. It's interesting that they've never remastered or re-released that. I don't want them to touch it. Really? No, I don't. No, I mean, they, they put out a nice, clean version of it, I think, on Blu-ray at one point. Right. But I don't want them to redo it. I just I want that one to just be because it, I think it's perfect the way it is. I think the fact that it's still a little bit sort of grainy and choppy gives it like, I don't know, it gives it a feel. It's got a you know, you know, when someone tells you listen to something on vinyl. Yeah, it just has that feel. That's Robin Hood just has that. It almost feels like it's Sherwood Forest. Nice. I think it's perfect. Leave it be. How do you feel about Arrow, the TV show? hate it now you know you a lot of people have felt the same way uh i just at one point in time i realized you know what this is not my arrow and it's okay if i don't like it i don't have to feel guilty if i don't like it and i just tapped out and then i left everything else with it too i all the cw shows i just quit them all really yeah that's insane yeah well that was the one that was kind of holding me in there gotcha i see um you know, I really liked The Flash, but even that was getting on me. Supergirl, I kind of watched because I felt like I should because it was tied in. Yep. I liked Legends of Tomorrow, but that had a lot of misses. Yes. Uh, and I was just like, you know what? If if Arrow's not holding me in, and that's the one that has to hold me in, I'm just I, hitting I can button. dedicate my time to something else. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Um, favorite Marvel character? Nightcrawler. Really? Yep. I have a, I have a Nightcrawler tattoo on my back. Awesome. Um, I have a Nightcrawler figure and statue collection. It doesn't get shown as much as the Green Arrow collection because I'm known for the Green Arrow collection. Yeah, that collection is massive. Like, I've seen some stuff and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler to me has always been a very interesting character. He, uh, he struggles with, he struggles with being good while looking like the devil. Yep. Um, and the way he's been written throughout the years, um, you know, from Dave Cockrum right up to recent history, um, he's just a really interesting misrepresented character and I love him for it. That's all. Um, this one, you know, it's, it's funny because the, whenever I ask people this question, when with the recent Marvel and DC films, what's your favorite of each and which do you dislike? Wow. Uh, my favorite Marvel film, uh, I'm going to say Guardians 1. Okay. Soundtrack, um, huh? Only, yeah, and I, I find that's the one that I have watched the most. Okay. So for no other reason, I think I have to put that at the top of the list. Although I like pretty much everything that Marvel has put out. Um, I, if I had to pick a least favorite, Iron Man 3. Um, Damn. You're not, <laughs> you're in the majority for sure. Um, but even Iron Man 3, I like. And if it's on, I'm going to watch it. Yep. Um, uh, as far as DC, modern DC films, I haven't liked any of them. Oh, that's not true. No, that's not true. I haven't seen Aquaman yet. So I, I, I can't speak on Aquaman, but I did like Wonder Woman. Uh-huh. A lot of people share that sentiment, uh, you know, of liking, of liking, uh, Wonder Woman the most out of all of the films thus far. Yeah. Well, it's the only one that actually felt like it was true to the character. You know, you know, it, it's funny because when I watched Justice League and Superman re- got resurrected and he was fighting alongside them, I'm like, this is the Superman we need. You know, happy, you know, right, right. very, very, uh, not, not aloof, but free spirited. Like, you know, like when they broke up the mother box, he's like, Oh my, uh, thank God. I, I feel like I'm dead. You know, it was funny because that's, <laughs> that's what I needed to see, but it was yeah. too late at that point. It was too late. The, the, the damage had already been, uh, favorite comic character that you'd like to see on screen. Moon Knight. Damn. You're the fifth person that has said they want to see Moon Knight on, on the big screen or on, or on TV. I'm, 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 he, Moon Knight would have been 
a great addition to the Netflix series of shows. 100%. If those shows would have continued. Um, he's a completely bonkers character, um, but he is he's great. He's cool looking. Um, he's got an interesting story, um, and he doesn't he's not like played out. So it's it's his time to shine, so to speak. No pun nice. intended. Nice. Um, gotta gotta throw a little tech in there. Obviously, I know you you're a you're a Mac user. Um, do you use an iPhone also? No, actually, I am only a Mac user because of GarageBand. I am a PC and an Android guy for everything else. Wow. So your your streaming rig is all PC based, huh? My streaming rig is all PC based. That's that's pretty awesome. So since you're using Android, what are you using? Uh, I'm using the S. Uh, what is it? The S9 right now because I haven't gotten the 10 yet. <laughs> Very cool. Um, when you open up your phone, what's the first app you go to in the morning? Probably Instagram. Ah, big IG, huh? Yeah, probably. probably. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> I, 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 I think I, I think when I first wake up in the morning, I'm not ready for the vitriol that's over at Twitter. I have to have a cup of coffee before I can jump into Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter, YouTube comments, and Reddit. I'm like, nope, nope. Yeah, no, nope. I can't do those things first thing in the morning. Nope. So definitely. normally it's it's normally Instagram because I normally wake up to some sort of alert over there. It's either that or Discord would be the second one. Nice. Favorite piece of tech besides your phone or computer? My phone or computer. My PlayStation. Nice. Actually, you know what? I'd like to revise that. My Switch. Uh, that's that's definitely been stepping up, man. The Switch has definitely been been killing it lately. Yeah, and and it's I, I love it's just so fun. The Switch is a fun console. Do you like having music in the background when you work? Uh, I do. I need music in the background. What do you usually listen to? Uh, if I'm listening to music, uh, it's normally like. It's normally a playlist on my phone. It's probably the Gorillas or Green Day. If I'm listening to podcasts, it, I don't know. It could be could be anything. It could be Critical Role for right now because I'm binging Critical Role. Gotcha. What's something that you've bought that's made your life easier or more enjoyable that costs less than a hundred dollars? Wow, that's a that's a good question. Something I bought that's made my wow. I don't I don't know the answer to that question. Wow, it's cost less than a hundred dollars. Yep, less than a hundred bucks makes you happy or. Um, anything it could be anything. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Um. I, honestly, I'm 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 I am in love right now with my 112, my Mezco 112 Spider Man. I've been playing with that thing for two weeks straight. You know, I um I got the uh the blade at Toy Fair. Nice. And, and I said to myself, I, I I was gonna buy the regular blade, and then when they gave me that one, it was like icing on the cake. And I said, this is such a perfect figure. Like Mezco has really stepped it up out of nowhere. Yep. Out of nowhere, man, their stuff is not only is their stuff impeccably well done, but it retains its value. Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. Right. If you wanted to flip any of those things, they yep. all retain at least retail and most of them more. Nice. Are you going to be buying more Mezco 112? Um, so because my collecting is so focused nowadays, if it's not like if it's not Spider-Man or Green Arrow or I don't know if he'll ever do a Nightcrawler, but I'm sure that I will buy something, but it, I'm very focused on my collecting, so it'll, it's going to depend on what it is. Gotcha. Um, what was your favorite toy growing up? Lego. I was a Lego kid. Really? I had thousands. Of, I still have thousands of them in my house. Yeah, I was a Lego kid through and through. I used to like building my own stuff. Not even the kits. Just give me a box of Lego and let me have at it. That's 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 pretty awesome. Um, what's your kid's favorite toy? Um, slime. Really? Do you guys make it yourselves? Yeah, unfortunately. Everywhere. <laughs> uh, it's on the cat. Oh, it's everywhere. 
I, that's that's why I was gonna ask. I was like, yep, if he's making, he's got to be making it himself. I've I, I've I've never had to buy more borax in my entire life oh in my my for the last year. Oh man, that's that's insane. Um, last 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 question: If you could have dinner with anyone alive or dead, who would it be? What would you eat? And what would you talk about? Wow. Um. Uh. You know what? If you had a, this is obviously, I think, a question where the answer would change a hundred times as as your life progresses. Uh huh. Of but, course. But but today, um, I would love to, um, I would love to eat dinner with. I don't know. You probably won't know who this person is, but Brian W. Foster is his name. Okay. He is a guy who is associated with Geek and Sundry and um and the Critical Role people. He is honestly one of the most interesting interviewers i've ever heard um he did an interview with logic uh like a month ago that was insane it was so good um and he's done amazing interviews with all sorts of actors and creative people and he's just super engaging and you could tell he's just a natural conversationalist right so i think that he would have a I think having a conversation with him would be really fun and really interesting. He also pours a mean, he pours a mean drink. He's a mixologist also. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, so I, I would say probably something that pairs well, I pr- pr- probably like barbecue with some crazy ass cocktail that he made up. Very cool. And I would just, I would just want to know about his life because this guy knows somehow he knows everybody <laughs> and I don't know how. Like how he links to so many different people in Hollywood and video games and pop culture in general, but he has so many ties to that world. I just loved. I'm, I'm waiting for someone to interview him, so I, I I would take that opportunity to to pick his brain for a little bit. That's awesome. Um, last segment we like to do. I like to do a, a what we, I like to call reach one, teach one, just to give the listener some value. And for you, my question that is, if someone came up to you and said. Hey, I want to get into podcasting and or streaming. And I know that you had said that you tell people not to do it, but if they were adamantly going to go for it, what's one piece of actionable advice you'd give? Um, I, I, I think I would just tell them to, um, to not be afraid to screw up, to not necessarily be a perfectionist. I don't mean about quality. Uh, like, as far, like I said earlier, you know, you, you have to kind of have a certain level of quality. You can't record in a bathroom stall, but, <laughs> but, but just, just don't let fear be the thing that prevents you from getting in front of a microphone or getting in front of a camera. Just do it. If you're going to do it, just, just do it. There you go. And to, to add on top of that, if you're a parent and your child wants to be a content creator, what do you got to tell them? Um, I mean, I, I, I give him my blessing a hundred percent and, um, you know, I tell him to just be mindful and respectful of what he says, because, you know, it could come back to haunt you one day. There you go. And I think, and I think with that, you are off the hot seat, my friend. Oh, excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Matt, you know, I really want to thank you for sharing the toys and tech of your trade. Where can people reach you and find you if they wanted to keep up with you or your content? Uh, I'm, I'm very easy to find on social media. If you just go to geek stuff, OG, uh, I, everything is there. Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. Uh, I, I don't use the Snapchat. That's for the kids. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, the, the, and, and of course the podcast, uh, bkgeekstuff.com. But 
Otherwise, Geek Stuff OG across all of the uh, social media platforms. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing the toys and tech of your trade. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. That wraps up our interview with Matt Cipolletti. We'll make sure to include links to Big Kev's Geek Stuff as well as Matt's Twitch channel and all the social media accounts that you can follow Matt on. In addition, we're going to link to the toys and the gadgets that were discussed in this episode. Full disclosure, as always, they may contain affiliate links, which if you click to purchase, we will receive a small commission, which goes towards making a bigger and better Rageworks for you, the listener, reader, and viewer. Toys and Tech of the Trade is released bi-weekly. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify, either via Toys and Tech of the Trade, or you can punch in the Rageworks Network, and you can find the episodes there as well. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, you can email me, rich at rageworks.net, or fill out the contact form on the site. If you'd like to advertise on this or any of the other podcasts on the Rageworks Network, you can fill out the advertiser form on the site, and we will be in touch. If you want to follow us on social media, links will be in the show notes for this episode. The best way to engage with us is probably Instagram and Facebook, which I pretty much am active on all the time. If you're on Facebook, you can become a fan on the Facebook fan page or join the Rageworks group to interact with myself and some of the other podcast hosts, as well as all of the other fans of Rageworks, whether it's our shows or our written content. All right, guys, thanks for taking the time to check out this episode. I hope that it brought you value and we'll see you guys in two weeks. Peace.
right now. Switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and 4-plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, I'm Kayla. As a mom working from home, life is crazier than ever, especially on days like these. But I'm still ruling my day thanks to Metro. Metro gave me an awesome phone and tablet. Now my son can get his homework done on the tablet without needing to borrow my laptop. Plus, with Metro, Amazon Prime is included, so I can access great deals and discounts on school essentials and get them delivered in no time with unlimited free shipping, all while keeping an eye on my son to make sure he finishes his online practice tests before he starts watching his favorite Amazon originals. Right now, get a new phone and tablet on us when you switch to Metro, the number one brand in prepaid. Plus, enjoy high-speed data on both devices with one Amazon Prime membership included for just $75 a month. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. I'm Kayla, and that's how I rule my day with Metro. With new lines of service after rebate redemption plus sales tax and activation fee. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members on select rate plans. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 a month cost. Restrictions apply.